JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. He also monitors his own X slash Twitter account, and sometimes it gets a little bit salty as well. CBS 4 and Fox 59, Mike Chappell joins us. Hello, Mike. How are you? Good. How are you? You ever just sit back during a Pacer game when, when Miles doesn't do everything right or a Pacer game and Miles is struggling a little bit and just admire my Twitter account and just, like, watch it flow, watch what is said on it? It does become a little bit entertaining, does it not? He, he's he's just a polarizing player, probably in large part because of, of the max salary and all that stuff. And it's funny, I, I, I've compared probably wrongly, but so what? Michael Pittman to Miles Turner because Pittman's really, really good. He really is, and so is Turner. But you want you want more. You want something else. You want more. And, and with Pittman, I want I want that downfield third. I want I want that. You know, I don't I want I don't want ten point six yards to catch. I want thirteen. But that doesn't change the fact he's pretty good. I still haven't bought into Miles Turner shooting threes. I, I'm I'm not there yet. Uh, I, I know he's probably thirty five forty percent shooting, but I'm not quite there yet. But this is never one of those good. Uh, Matchups and I, if I were a betting man, and the over under is forty tonight, I'm going over because that's what Embiid does. But uh, no, it's Turner's. He's just a polarizing player because all the really really good things he does, you want something else or something more. But he's pretty good here. You mentioned, so is that your comparison? You said polarizing. I, I think, like, you know me, I'm, I'm going to be fair as hell every time. So I'll give you a great example. It's Denver on Tuesday night. I got all the, you know, Miles fell asleep. Miles didn't play D. This is what Miles right. does. And that was fouled filed up, but that wasn't on Miles. And you can tell that wasn't on Miles. The whole system there at the end and what they were doing in rotation was fouled up. What I got all miles about is because in a situation without Tyrese Halliburton, you've got two good looks from three. I mean, one especially splendid right. look straight on from three. You've got to knock it down. So fairly, I was critical about that. But I always swoop in on what is just unfair and unjust to him and a lot of this criticism around here. So... Who's comparable to that? You've been around here forever. Who is always going to get the blame and ever – seriously, he has a good game. I never see anybody, to me, giving him credit. Who gets all the blame and well, none of the credit question. around here? That's a, that, that's a good question. I would have to think about that. No, but that, that's right. And that's why I say polarizing. And I don't mean polarizing on Pittman. I'm just saying he's a guy that's really good, but you want another phase to his game. But boy, that's a good idea where you get all the blame and none of the credit. I, that, that's hey, good, I, I'll give you point. one. I got one right here. Are you ready? Okay. Jim Caldwell. Jim Caldwell got yeah, every boy, ounce yeah. of blame and never a bit of credit. And he and, he, and I still contend he was a uh, recovered onside kicker from from winning a Super Bowl as a rookie. Uh, and and if, if you could if you could re, if you could do a mulligan and redo it, uh, they might have finished unbeaten that year. Uh, because yeah. we know how yeah. we know how they 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 folded tents and and walked away from an unbeaten an unbeaten possibility. But no, that's a good point because it, it was 
what he did was, well, you know, it was Tony's team and, and, you know, Pullian's making all the calls and, oh, by the way, Peyton and all these guys. And Caldwell was pretty good. He was pretty good. Now, he might have been better as a coordinator. Uh, uh, although, actually, I'm not going to say that because he, he, he had really good success in Detroit as well. So I'm not, I'm not going to dismiss him like that. But you're right. He, he got very little credit for the level of what, you know, step in, step into that, that, that situation with, with, you know, replacing Tony and and all this and taking over a team that was absolutely loaded. And it took one or two things to go wrong to not have that special year. But, uh, you know, I've talked to Dwight Freeney recently and remember he, he, he basically trashed his, his ankle in the AFC championship game to where he played the first half, he was okay. And second half, he couldn't play. So it was all that stuff that played into it. Caldwell of all of so many guys, you're right. He just never, it was like, yeah, but no, no, he was pretty good. And he doesn't get his due for it. He, um, he got in that, that deer in the headlights timeout jets playoff game. That, that moment absolutely ate him alive. Right. And, and, you know, you shouldn't be defined by, by one moment, <laughs> unless you're Colt Anderson and Griff Whalen, which will be forever. <laughs> so, so it does happen, but no, as far as you're right, but I bet you can find a lot of coaches, quality coaches who had that one moment they want to have back. But yeah. It, but still, I, I thought, the, the the grand scale. He was really good at what he did, and you know he just happened to be on. It was his watch when when Peyton's neck exploded. So uh, yeah, it's, it's too bad. But I I'll give you credit. That that's one that yeah. whenever they won, well yeah yeah of course he won with those guys. And whenever they lost, it, well way to go, Jim. You really screwed that up. Yeah, I mean, and and the team president pulled the plug as you mentioned earlier on the potential unbeaten season. And go back, you know, kind of look at the yeah. go, look, go back and look at the sideline and the look on the faces of Peyton and Jeff Saturday and all those yeah. guys, and that'll tell you what they wanted to do. Now, I, I going back then, I was I was one of those on board with easing up and the unbeaten season wasn't had to be secondary to the Super Bowl and but but you know you, you talk to those players and ninety percent, if not all of them, knew that when you've got a chance to chase history. Uh, you know, that's what you want to do. And, and, but no, I, yeah, Caldwell took the brunt of that, which I'm guessing really it wasn't his, wasn't his ultimate call at all. So Mike Chappell of CBS four and, and Fox 59, I know you're in on, you know, the hall of fame situation. I want to get to that regarding Freeney and Reggie in just a minute. Are you privy to this, this latest report a little bit earlier regarding Jim Irsay and the 911 call from his home? We at the start, I was we did our podcast today and we were just shooting around sitting around and shooting the bowl. We, we we have we had have have it, and they decided not to run it just for a lot of reasons. And uh, so I and I, I I totally respect our our boss's reasons for not doing it, uh, but I, I've listened to it and you know it it adds the, the the level that it's Pete Ward making making the call and all this so. But uh, yeah, and our, our our news side at Fox 59 and CBS 4, those guys are quality. quality they're really good at what they did. They they had the uh, uh, the December 8th documents from the police department as soon as as soon as if not sooner than TMZ did it. But they just had to do some research and and back things up. And they wanted you know TMZ doesn't really they're really good TMZ. They don't worry too much about making sure all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed, and that's that's what we do uh, at the station. And if you're a good station, that's what you do. So, but yeah, I heard that, and we decided not to run it. And you know, it's it's just another layer of of a very bad situation that I hope ends up much better. Well, it, it it's a the tale of two situations here. I mean, one. You know, in, in this particular report, and, and I may ask you to do something, and, and if you're uncomfortable, I completely understand, sure. but I, I'm kind of curious your opinion on this. 
Which, which side of this do you believe? Do you believe the one with the you know congestive heart failure, or do you believe um, the blue to the touch administered Narcan TMZ one? Which which one would you believe? Uh, well, the, the, again, the TMZ report is is the, the actual police. I mean, event right. report. So, and I've got a copy of it, and that's from the officer. They're they're the ones that on site use the word you know incident. It says overdose. So no, I believe. I believe the the, 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 the the reports from the documents and, and Pete didn't have that information. You know, so so he was and he wasn't on site when he made the call. He was driving right to Ursay's home. So no, the the, the the information that I believe is, is what was written by the police officer in the incident report who got there and found him unresponsive and blue and cold of the touch and they had to do the Narcan and all that. So I believe all of that. And whatever Pete was talking about at the time was in real time and and he was going with the information that whatever he had but he didn't have the, the, the he wasn't on site he wasn't the medics or the police doing that so i no i i totally believe the uh, the incident report from the karma police so my chapel of cbs4 and fox 59 is with us so yeah obviously we're, we're talking about the 911 call and and that was from pete ward um and it mentioned what congestive heart failure is that what he had mentioned that's, in that's that 911 call he said cuz they yeah. asked what was the i think what was the reason for the 911 call well this some we have someone unresponsive and i think he said i believe it's congestive heart failure or whatever and you know that that's got to be what Pete the information Pete had at the time so you know i it doesn't make either one of them wrong well again i i i'm not saying even remotely that the police report is wrong I'm just saying that, that Pete was going with the information he had. So, in, in that regard, in, in real time, both both were, were, were giving information that they that they believed. So, yeah, it, it's. Um, but I, I, I 100% believe the uh, the overdose angle. I just do. Mike, where um, where are you regarding present condition of Jim Merce beyond? You know, a couple of different releases. One one release just kind of the latest solidified the original release from the Colts. Because I, I felt this way. I talked to Greg Doyle about this last week on the show, about the same time last week on the show about this. I I mean, I, I'm incredibly worried. You still remain in, in that frame of mind with a high level of worry because we simply have heard nothing from him. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not worried to the point because because we haven't gotten any updates. I, I don't anticipate an update. I mean, it, it is a private situation, although when it's the, the, the owner of a $4 billion franchise, and, you know, I, I thought Bob Kravitz had, a, had an excellent column on his, his sub stack. I mean, this, is, this isn't just – this is beyond family privacy because because of everything involved. Yeah, I'm concerned. I'm concerned. I talking with our people today. I mean, we we get tips all the all the time. Yeah, and, and we don't we don't go with them because they're tips, and and you've got to confirm things. And this this is virtually impossible to confirm anything. You know, because it is a family situation, and and unless you get a you know, someone who's going to violate HIPAA in a hospital, which then you're talking about their job. Uh, it, it's going to be, it's going to remain private. I'm concerned. I, I'm going to be concerned until we get a, 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 some some kind of announcement from the team that he he's he's he, he's better. He's out of the hospital. He he's hey he's got a long road back and all this. But until I hear that, you got to be concerned. You know, I, we just we both know. Jim's history. We we both know the demons he's he's struggled with, and you know, go back to the the HBO interview where he said, "Yeah, I've been in rehab 15 times." Well, that's that's like the old thing about you know what's so hard about quit smoking. I've done it 15 times. Well, that that tells you that's a it's a hard thing to do. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm concerned, and hopefully sometime at some well at some point the family's going to have to gonna have to at some point i would think the family would address the the the, the who who is 
who's who? Gosh, who's running the team? Uh, you know, I, I'm guessing that Carly, she's the one that's really, really heavily involved in the nuts and bolts running of the team. She's her, her dad is, has exposed her to a lot of this. She's she's at owners' meetings. She's you know she's the one on the sidelines at games. You know, with the headset and things and listening, and she's sort of learning like her dad did early on the nuts and bolts and, 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 you know, I'm sure she's not picking up jock straps like her dad did, but that's how you learn these things. But it's, it, it, at some point I would think it would behoove the team to let its fan base in the city, you know, this is a public private partnership in, 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 in that, hey, listen, we got some family things going on here, but but we have things under control, which they do. They, they've, you know, initially, when, you know, like in 14 when Jim was suspended, Carly Carly ran things, her and Ryan Grigson and, of course, Pete Ward. And when you have the family dynamics that they have with the demons that Jimmy has and and the fact that it's a, again, it's, it's a $4 billion, $4 billion plus operation and uh you you have you have contingency plans you just do i i remember talking to jimmy many times and in his office and we're talking and he taps one of the drawers on his desk and he said yeah I have, i've got a list of general manager and head coaching candidates because you never know you have to you all, you always have to to have some kind of plans just in case uh, and, and I'm sure this their, their their family has has had things planned out as much as you can, just in case of this, that, and the other. You have to. Uh, and, and so I'm for however long it's been, and he's been out of the picture. You know the daily operations. I'm sure Carly's doing this, and I'm sure Caitlin's doing this, and I'm sure Casey's doing this. Because you have to. That, that's what you do. And and how how it goes forward, I don't know. It'll obviously depend on when Jimmy gets back to where he can do things. But this, this these are smart people. They have smart attorneys, and, and they have they have, I guess again planned for 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 not pleasant situations and. and so, but I, I think at some point it, it would behoove the team and the family to say, we we appreciate your your concerns and and your thoughts and prayers and all this. You know, he he he's on the mend and and this is what we're doing. This is this is how we're we're carrying on this operation. That you know, life goes on. It, you know, and he wasn't referring to this. I was remember back in training camp where it came out so wrong where. With Jonathan Taylor, if I'm not here tomorrow, and if Jonathan Taylor's not here tomorrow, the league goes on. What things go on? They have to go on. And I, there's not a part of me that doesn't believe that they haven't planned steps to how you move on from what for whatever reason for whatever reason. Uh, so, but, but at some point, I would hope the family would do that. Whenever, whenever it's the right time, I, I, who knows when it's the right time? Right now, you know, outside of of league responsibilities. I'm not sure what there is that an owner would do. This is sort of, this is more the Chris Ballard, Ed Dodds, personnel people, you know, in, in, in evaluating the roster and looking at free agency and who do we want to resign? Now, when it gets time to, to resigning Michael Pittman, Kenny Moore, whomever, Grover Stewart, well, then, then, then you get the people who, who sign the checks involved more but but right now initially th- th- this is more the the, the people that Jim Irsay's put in place to run things because that's what you put in. I remember one time he told me he said when you get to be an owner he said you put people in place and you let them do their job for the most part <laughs> he, he's done that you know with a few times that go documented where he, where he stepped in and said no we're going to do it this way but uh, but again, I think right now it's a, it's a point of running the upper, of, of the franchise that the owner isn't quite as as involved with with this aspect of the team. Now he's got stuff to do, and he's got other businesses, and he's got charities and foundations, and but they've got people in place for all of that. So 
again, I the, the bottom line is you, you just send out good thoughts and you hope that that this is another one of those bumps in the road that he that he clears and he and he gets back to being the quirky owner who does good things. Mike Chappell of CBS Four and Fox Fifty Nine is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Do you think this is going to be Carly's team to run now and into the future? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I just do. I, I, I think that they we've sort of seen how they've they've divvied up responsibilities. I guess, for lack of a better word, I, I thought it was noteworthy that back in. 2012, they added the daughters as owners, vice chairs and owners. Uh, that's got that's got to have some. There's got there's a reason for that. Whether it was for the worst case scenario, whether it was whatever you know for, for a succession plan, uh, they did that for a reason. And the, the, these daughters are listed as owners for a reason. You know, it's still it's still. Jim's whatever he is, chairman and grand poopal and all that, whatever it is. But it, it, to me, it's significant that they took the step of making the daughters uh, owners. But yeah, I, I think that's why I say I, I, I just think that at some level with Jim, they sat down and said, okay, this is how this is how I see this thing moving forward. This is the family business. This, this is he, he is so protective of the, of, you know, the, uh, yes, of the shield for the league, but but of the family business. It, I remember he, he, t- he like with Bill Poliny, he said, you know, I, I put Bill in place, and I told him that, you know, it's his team to run, as long as he doesn't put my 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 brand, my family's business at risk, either with an action or or whatever. Uh, he's very. Th- th- this means a lot to him. It, it, it means, you know, it's. It's family first and all that, but the, the, the franchise is right there. But I, that's what I say. I just these are smart people. They have, with Chris Ballard in the loop at at some level, I, I, at a high level. But I just I believed in my heart that they they have made these arrangements to where, you know, one day it's this and one day it's this, and you're ready for Plan B. You're ready for the second this. So yeah, I, I but it, it, all indications are that Carly would be the would be the point person because because that's kind of what we've seen from her, uh, and and we've seen the other daughters in different areas. But I this is this isn't going to be one person making a call. I mean, there, it's three of them, and and like I say, it, it's much better to have it this way than to have siblings uh, who, who don't get along and then when something happens then you, then, then you got then it hits the fan maybe I don't think that's going to be the case here I think again I think I think they're they've been in agreement including including with Jim I, I think they put things in place and I think it, it's to, to allow things to run as seamlessly as possible regardless of what might happen hey Mike one final quick thing Regarding Reggie Wayne and Dwight Freeney, either get a breakthrough into the Hall of Fame this year. Um, I hate to lie on your on the air. Uh, <laughs> I I am sworn to secrecy. I know. Yeah. Uh, we had our meeting. I know. And you don't it, sound excited. Well, no, I'm trying to not sound either way. Uh, okay. So, so uh, it's one of those. It, it'll be announced February eighth, I think it is, and and there, there's no way for me to to say anything without without putting my job as a selector at risk. And I really like you, but not to the <laughs> point that I'm going to lose my job at the Hall of Fame. So I'll just say that <laughs> that you're going to have to. People are going to have to kind of wait and see and and see where this goes. It is that's Mike Chappell of CBS. Flat lying to you. <laughs> it's, that's okay. I, I, we we kind of needed that touch at the end because yep. uh, the the Ursa aspect of it uh, is um, is tough. It is just, really just ask people. Really just ask people to keep Jim and the family in their thoughts, and and he's been through tough times before. I mean, we know that, and and he he's a. He's a stubborn son of a bitch. He really is. 
So ho- hopefully he'll, you know, he'll rally from this. To Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59 on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Line. Always a pleasure, buddy. We'll catch up again coming up next Thursday, Mike. Thank you. Always look forward to it. Thanks. Be well. Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Potline. Going to get you started tonight. Valley Sports Indiana at 6.30. Um, and, yeah, this, this great scheduling from the NBA where you come off a six-game roadie, you get back home and you get the defending champions. And then you get Joe Embiid coming off of 70 points um, in Philadelphia on a Thursday. Oh, by the way, too, to back-to-back with the Suns and Frank Vogel, who joins us tomorrow. That coming up tomorrow night at the Fieldhouse. J.J. is going to talk about the present-day Pacers going into tonight. Night. Jeremiah Johnson joins us. How are things going? You are, you already there or are you on your way? I'm on my way. I wish James would have told me where you were at. I would have maybe made plans to come down just a little bit earlier and join you live in person. James, man. James. You didn't tell him where we were going to be? <laughs> James. I mean, I mean normally it'd be tough to fit it in, but that's so close as you mentioned. It's uh, I could almost see the field house from where you're at and i could have made plans to get down there a little earlier so the next time you're down, maybe, maybe i'll join you in person you we needed a jeremiah johnson live segment <laughs> here we needed i mean lie you're live right now but a live in person here at the dugout segment well that's a bummer right there but at least you're on here um all right what's the expectation health wise tonight Are we we're thinking i haven't heard maybe i i've just missed it is jalen smith Still going to be on the shelf with that bad back because that'll really suck tonight. He's still questionable as of yesterday's practice. Rick Carlisle said they were going to look at a few things. Um, that really just flared up. He was dressed, and yeah. I believe he was on the bench or at least did warm-up. He was. And then all of a sudden he was not, not there when it would be the normal time that he would check into the game. So you know how backs are. Sometimes you can tweak them doing the, the darndest of things. Maybe he was tying his shoe, and, and it can happen. I mean, I – I was almost out of commission three or four years ago, just bending over to the bottom drawer of my son's dresser. So I don't know exactly how it happened. He's still questionable. Halliburton's out, and then everybody else should be ready to go from the Pacers side of things. So you don't think it's these, one of these situations where you just squirt a handful of biofreeze on it and go play? No? <laughs> well, they do have uh, you know a couple of outstanding massage therapists, so anything they could do, uh, his, his recovery will be expedited with or without Icy Hot or anything else that you or I would have put on our sore backs back in the day. Does, uh, does Corbeil hand out massages, or does he leave that to somebody else? No, uh, Victoria Pelton is the lead massage therapist. And uh, Josh, I think Josh would be probably oversees that, but uh, he's not the one administering the massages. What's he keep track of on the bench? Fouls and timeouts or what? What's he keep track of there? Absolutely, yeah. It's one of those underrated skills for, I don't know whether it's every single team, but it does seem like, you know, you have your three main front of bench assistant coaches that have a lot of other things to worry about, but then you're on the front of the bench near the coach, so the head athletic trainer is responsible for timeouts and fouls. So anytime someone gets a second or a third foul or, you know, on into the second half, a fourth or fifth foul, he will quickly just remind Coach Carlisle of that, and then also it's timeouts in the NBA, and this is my 10th year in this position, I still even get a little confused with the mandatories and whose turn it is to take the first media timeout, and he has that down pat. You ought to have him on sometime to just explain it, because one day on a a road trip, I had him explain it to me, and, and I still probably couldn't explain it to you, but he knows it very well. Rick Carlisle obviously knows it, but sometimes needs just a reminder in the heat of the moment of is it my turn? How many do we have left? Because you want to get at least to the final three minutes. You prefer to have those two in the final three minutes. But also, Rick Carlisle values what a timeout can do to stop a run, to kind of get things organized. So 
he maybe is a little bit different than some coaches where they absolutely would want to have those two timeouts for the final three minutes. He at least wants one so he can challenge or advance the ball. But if he sees a, a 7 or a 9-0 run, he's going to call that timeout just to get the things under control. So, clearly, Rick Carlisle needs about 25 timeouts every game. But what <laughs> over-under might, might you call? And, again, normally – the earlier, the worse the situation might be. So what, what, give me a good time, over-under time for that first Carlisle timeout tonight. Tonight? <laughs> I'm going to go into this one thinking optimistically. You know, the Sixers. Is that like my, hey, after Miles' second foul about two and a half minutes in, is that what you're going to say? Because well, that's well, normally what about, happens. I, I think the Atlanta game in which they had 40 assists playing without Tyrese Halliburton if memory serves, we, we can go back and check. But I think they called one in 47 seconds. Like, Atlanta scores, Pacers don't. Atlanta scores, timeout. And then maybe it was Utah. But there was two games in about a three-game stretch where there were timeouts called within the first minute and a half. And <laughs> the first time I saw one, I said, I don't know that I've seen one that, that fast. And then that Atlanta game, I saw it again. So it's uh, sometimes if you sense your guys aren't ready – I'd rather stop the game at 4-0 than 12-0. So, Jeremiah Johnson, Valley Sports, Indiana, 6-30 pregame coverage, 7-P tip time, Cambridge Fieldhouse. Second of this homestand against Joel Embiid and the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, are we just going to see at the early stages straight up one-on-one D? Do you think there's any plan defensively to handle Joel Embiid early differently than what they normally might? That's a good question. Uh, I don't know the answer. I don't know how having Pascal Siakam potentially changes what you can do. You saw some different defensive looks in that two-game series in Philadelphia in November. The first game, it was obviously the the Maxi show. He had 50 in that game, so you had to be a little careful how much helping off you did off of him. But, uh, you know, usually you go into a game and you want to be straight up and then you make the adjustments from there, but you have to be willing – pretty quickly with the way Joel Embiid is playing to adjust. The big thing, as you mentioned in, in the question about the timeouts and then in asking about Jalen Smith is maybe you send some help just if, you know, for no other reason than to avoid Miles being on an island and then potentially getting into foul trouble because you really you can't go into this game if, if you don't have Jalen Smith without having some real depth at the five. Now, at the same time, we have seen against certain bigs, Obi Toppin has been able to provide some defensive presence. And, again, we don't know really Pascal Siakam's role and whether guarding a, a big like that. We know he can play some small ball five. I don't know that you know he's the guy you want on Embiid, but he can provide some help, I think, that, that could make things a little bit better from a defensive perspective. But I will be watching the fouls. I just hope it's not one of those games where Embiid gets in a rhythm foul hunting and he can just – yeah. Anytime someone has their hands on his waist, he just throws the ball up and he goes to the free throw line. That's not my favorite style of basketball, and I know he's mastered it, so you should probably, I guess, give him some credit for how he's able to do it. But uh, if he can stay around 8 to 10 free throw attempts tonight, I think I'll take that and move on. Well, cheap fouls come with Embiid. And let's just face it, they shouldn't. I mean, he's way too big and strong to be hunting those cheap fouls, and he gets that cheap foul whistle uh, a lot, certainly, across the NBA landscape. But he's not going to be the only one. I mean, I also remember, you know, what, 50 from Tyrese Maxey. We look at the duo of Jamal Murray and, and Jokic the other night as, to me, being one of the best, if not the best, these two dudes, if they get into a two-man game type of situation, high ball screen situation, uh, as impossible, if not even more so, for anybody, including the Pacers, to defend. Yeah, well, that, that two-game series is still a little bit fresh in my mind. And so in the day between games, when the Pacers lost the first one, Maxi scored 50, you knew the next game was that in-season tournament pool play game. You know, you can be a prisoner of the moment a little bit, and I didn't have a lot of optimism. And then all of a sudden the Pacers did some things defensively. They were able to get out and run, and they made it hard on Joel Embiid. Why? Because they were running. He didn't want to get back on defense. That's not his style of play. And the Pacers took advantage of their strengths and made them a weakness for the Sixers. And and in that game also, 
Maxie looked human. So I've seen him at his best. I've seen him average or maybe even below average in that second game the Pacers won. So it's you don't go into it automatically thinking at this point in his career that Maxie's just unstoppable because he is still a young player. Uh, you just don't want to let him get into a rhythm. That's the biggest thing with a guy like Maxie. Early on in that first game when he had 50, he had so much confidence. He was also feeding off the crowd a little bit. And he gets a lot of good looks just because of MB's presence on the court. Early on will tell a lot to me, you know, even in the Denver game, just to go back to that one, the Pacers had a real good opportunity because a guy like Michael Porter Jr. was not in a rhythm. He was in a rhythm in Denver. Yep. He, he, could, yep. he could not hit anything on Tuesday night, and that gave you the confidence that even though Murray and Jokic were doing what they normally do, they didn't have that really good third option. Now, for the Sixers, Harris is a big question mark. He's uh, questionable with an illness. He's sort of that – Michael Porter Jr. role for this team. If he's healthy and available, you can't leave him open either because he can get into one of those rhythms. So if uh, Tobias Harris isn't playing and you can figure out a way to keep Maxi from just getting all kinds of confidence, I think those are some keys for tonight's game. I um, it, it is tough to see right now. Jeremiah Johnson, Valley Sports Indiana, is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, live at the dugout. Again, Fletcher and uh, college NBA Jam game being played by our good friend Derek right now with a Michelob Ultra in the high score. Will win these pair of shoes here. I'll talk about coming up again in just a minute. But you you just look at this schedule, and especially without Halliburton. I, I, again, I, I mentioned that because you have to over and over again, but. It just doesn't look like there is a loophole in the losing. And that's what was so disappointing about the other night, because even without Halliburton, they put themselves in position and and didn't make shots and struggled to get late game stops. And they were in position to do that. And that's what's a little concerning about me tonight, because you it, it, this just avalanches on you. I mean, this losing rolls up on you, and if Philly comes out and kind of blows your doors off early, that would be a major concern of mine after what took place on on Monday. Yeah, I understand. Or Tuesday, that I'm sorry, Tuesday. My bad. Yes. Right. Yeah, I understand that thought process, but at the same time, if you look at this team this season, when a good team has come into Gamebridge Fieldhouse. There are not too many that this group has not gotten up to play. Now, the the Halliburton absence is an asterisk and a qualifier that you have to acknowledge. But if everyone else is pretty much ready, then you have to say this is one of the best benches in the NBA. This team has as much depth. You can't replace Tyrese Halliburton, but if you can get good games, above-average games from both Nemhard and McConnell, and the crowd can get behind this team, and, and they play with a little bit of desperation and urgency. Think about this. I, I've been in – I've been really impressed with just the demeanor that I've seen and and in the conversations with Pascal Siakam. He hasn't tried to force things. He's been extremely positive. But you know that he doesn't want this to get to four to five, to get to Sunday where the Pacers have traded for him and then, you know, he loses his first five games. So I I do think in this next two-game set with Philadelphia and Phoenix, while both teams – uh, you know, it's some bad luck. You're playing both of them when they're pretty much at their best. I think the Sixers are at six in a row, and Phoenix might be at seven or eight in a row. I mean, they had a huge win last night in uh, Dallas, and they're fully healthy. So it's a little bit of a bad break of when you play these teams. However, you got to remember, this is a game at Gambridge Fieldhouse. This is a crowd that can get behind you. You've already won some big games against really good teams on multiple occasions here. So come out tonight, play with that sense of urgency, because the players feel the same thing that you feel, John. They see the three in a row and the five of six. And while they pay attention to the standings enough to know that while you were at fifth a week ago, now you're, you're, you're down to eighth. And a good week can get you back up into that five, six area, but a bad week then drops you down to nine or ten. So I do think that they're going to be really focused tonight. It's tough that you've got the Suns on short rest. But above the next two games, I do feel good about them getting at least one of them. All right. Go with the positivity of one <laughs> Jeremiah Johnson, the Ballot Sports the Indiana. Right? Right there. Yeah, I mean, it, it does. And, and listen, I understand that there's still a lot of the season, but I still kind of reflect on you and I after the 6 o'clock hour last Friday going crazy over all that, and then it just kind of blew up in our face, I think, a little bit. Hey, any expectation whatsoever in closing here? 
of Tyrese Halliburton return. And I know they said three games, obviously includes tonight, then again tomorrow night against Frank Vogel's Phoenix Suns. Sunday, back again against Memphis at the Fieldhouse. You think it's going to be three games? You think it's going to be more? You got any expectation here riding along? I wish I did, John. I should probably ask uh, your friend Sweebo to see if they have any insight because that's where the news was broken. I was a little surprised. Oh, I, that, that pisses that me off too, man. I, I, I said the other day, <laughs> I, I told Kevin yesterday, I go, hey, can you tell Rick like to, to spread the wealth on the breaking news? When is he going to drop this? I mean, they didn't even go looking for it. He just like dropped it right in their lap. I mean, come on, man. I mean, three o'clock, three o'clock guy gets jealous of this crap, man. Give him a little bit of something right here. But yeah, no, you're absolutely what do you think right. About, what do you think about pregame guy? Even though I'm not in the breaking news business, uh, you know, on Tuesday, Rick started his pregame you know, media availability explaining that he had, you know, he said what he wanted to say on the radio show and there's really nothing else to say. And so that's pretty much all that's been out there. And, uh, you know, after practice yesterday, when the reporters were let in, you did see him doing some of the shooting drills that he did on the road trip. So, that, to me, is a positive. I just – if you're at the game tonight or if you're watching, I'll be looking forward to seeing if he does, you know, the pregame shooting, you know, uh, routine that he didn't do for those first couple of games after the injury, didn't do it in Atlanta. And I think in Denver he was out there before the game doing not maybe the full routine but close to uh, what he would normally do if he was playing. So I guess I'll be watching that just to see if I can get any clues. But there's not there's nothing else that's going to be said – prior to Saturday, unless he is available somewhere to talk about uh, the potential for tonight being named an all-star starter, which is a big night. I mean, it's uh, going to be announced on TNT tonight. We're, uh, you know, preparing for that news to come out at some point during the game or close to the beginning of the game. And there's a chance someone will get, you know, an opportunity to talk to him. We do not know if that will happen for us tonight or if, or when it will. So, you know, we're just kind of waiting like everybody else, hoping for the best and, uh, you know, waiting for the next update. All right, then. We'll see what happens. It's Jeremiah Johnson, Valley Sports, Indiana. Tonight, 6.30, they began their coverage. You can watch that, obviously. We began our coverage at the same time right here on The Fan. JJ's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Always a pleasure. Yeah, next time, let's see if we can get James thinking a little bit and get your ass down here on a live remote. And not on the phone here. All right, you get James <laughs> yeah, just, thinking just a little. Throw it bit. out there as an option. It'd be tough for me to get from Greenwood back to the Fieldhouse or uh, yeah. Carmel, but but if you're downtown, there's a there's always an opportunity. And also tell Rick when you see him that I because Rick hasn't been on my show at all. I have to go get Frank Vogel tomorrow on the show. I'll make sure you tell him that. You know, since Rick's not coming on the show. I'm going to go get Frank Vogel and put Frank Vogel on the show. However, Chad Buchanan is coming on on Monday. And bet your ass I'm going to make fun of what Magic Johnson tweeted about Chad Buchanan pulling off that deal and not mentioning Kevin Pritchard. I can't wait to do that. I hope he's ready for it. I hope he's ready. I'm sure he is ready for it. I don't know if Chad's on Twitter or tweets, but that would have been a perfect uh, reply from Chad to KP. Uh, on Twitter, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> you got it. All right, have a great broadcast tonight, JJ. Thank you. All right, thank you, John. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Andy Moore Automotive Group Pylon. You can tell by my excitement, my sycamores are rolling. 17 and 3, 8 and 1 in the Mo Valley, all alone at the top by virtue of an OT loss. Drake on the road last night at Missouri State. Sycamores did survive at UIC 89-83. For the sophomore, Robbie Avalon, he joins us now via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from the Sycamores. Hey, Robbie, thank you for the time. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. You got it. That was a survival game last night, wasn't it? I mean, didn't shoot it well from three. I mean, normally much better, and you get a team in UIC that has been struggling this year. That looked to me like a survival type of performance from you guys. 
Yeah, no, we didn't really have our, our best game offensively, but we were still able to get it done. Credit to them. They played, you know, really well. They had some tough shots, and it was one of those games you just had to grind out all the way to the end. So, Robbie Avila joins us. What do you think about this team? You said the other day that your coach, Josh Schertz, lets everybody eat. And offensively, how is he able to do that with such a talented group that surrounds you? They run their, their offense, all their stuff through you, but how is everybody able to eat in this offense? Uh, coach Schertz is just a, a, a smart, smart guy when it comes to the X's and O's, and so he's able to put us all in the, the right spots, and it's you know, really just who who has the hot hand today. And, you know, I think uh, to, to our team, we have no egos out here. So we're able to, you know, share the ball, you know, at an extremely high level. And so one day, Swope might go off for 30, like like yesterday, and I'll go for 26. But then there's other days where, you know, Jay Kent goes off for 20 and Ryan's going for 25. So I think it's just, you know, everybody on the team is just happy with each other when, when we're, all, we're all having successes. And just to continue to do that is, is amazing for us. Yeah, it's funny, too. I, I talked to your coach uh, about Isaiah Swope. You just brought him up, too. Uh, you guys got really an eyeball full of him a year ago. When, when you learned that he was going to join your program from the transfer portal, I would assume you knew the type of player you were getting since you saw him last year at Southern Indiana. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely happier. He's on our side of the ball uh, as a team than last year. Last year, he lit us up. So when, for us to get him this year was, was definitely a big uh, a positive for us. Um, you notice what's being said about you and your team, or is that something that you try not to? Uh, I definitely see it around. You know, I have a little bit of a presence on social media, so you know it's it's all over the place. You know, when we're winning, you know it's a uh, it's uh, a lot of positive stuff, which you know we appreciate the support from everybody. But we try to keep our heads, you know, level. You know, uh, we know that it's a, a a very long season, and so just to to continue to take it one game at a time is, uh, is what we try to do as a team. It, is it difficult, Robbie, not to overindulge? Because to me, there are a couple of factors here. One, you're absolutely right, man. You don't want this thing to hit you over the head and you're feeling differently than you should in your focus for the next game. But on the other hand, it is, you know, you want to put the program in its best light. You want to feed off the type of momentum going on in the program right now that seems like a delicate balance to me is it yeah definitely you know we definitely you know uh, appreciate all the praise that we're getting and we're trying to you know continue to push that out you know to try to uh, get our get our team you know the, as much as we can but like you said it's just kind of like a balance of you know uh accepting the praise but also you know staying humble and uh continuing to just you know keep our heads down and working hard because i feel like that's when we're at our best is when we're just, you know, worried about ourselves and not really the outside stuff. Robbie Avila joins us, the sophomore for Indiana State, over 16 and seven boards per game for the Sycamores. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Um, are you the uh, college version of Jokic? We saw him the other night, Tuesday night up here, Cambridge Fieldhouse. You the college version? I've seen a lot of that out there. Do you think you resemble that type of collegiate praise right now, or do you just kind of find it funny? It's definitely a little bit of both. You know, I find it funny, you know, to be, you know, compared to him. But, uh, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a huge compliment. Obviously, Jokic is one of the best in the league right now. And so I do kind of model my game a little bit after him. And so to get those kind of comparisons right now is, you know, awesome. But uh, it, it, it does get a little, little, little laugh here and there. <laughs> do your teammates poke fun at you because of that, too? That's all they say now. The college Jokic, I get get stuff in my uh, in my uh, social media DMs, and so like I said I I enjoy it. I definitely do enjoy it. Now you've also sparked a pretty decent look with the goggles right there. Have they already done it, or are they doing a promotion with the goggle stuff? No, actually, it's this Saturday uh, against Bradley. We're doing another little goggle giveaway kind of thing, so and it's coming up. Oh. Well, I'm gonna tell you what. You, I was at Indiana State in the early 90s. I love, and people probably have told you, I love, I love Terre Haute. So mm -hmm. here's what's going to happen. You guys, with your goggles, you guys go out and beat the hell out of Bradley on Saturday. <laughs> I know Connor Hickman's coming back. He's a good player, by the way, from Bloomington yep, South, yep. who didn't play against you guys in that first win. Beat their ass on Saturday, and then you and Coach Graves go down to Ethan Crawford and, and take a picture in your goggles in front of the place where I lived, okay, when I went to college there. <laughs> 
Will you do that? It sounds like it sounds like a plan, man. We got to go ahead and get that done first. But me and me and Grace will definitely get that done for you after. And then try not to have somebody shoot you in the process or shoot at you in the process down there. Um, I, I'm hoping that it's still there. Um, but I I don't know about you. I don't know what you thought of Indiana State and Terre Haute just beyond the basketball aspect when you signed. Obviously, you're from the Chicagoland areas where you, you grew up. What did you know about this program and Terre Haute? I love it. And I spent all my time here in Indianapolis on the radio in the afternoon. I tell everybody about how my experience was. I mean, I, I would not trade it for any other experience. It was that good. Are you getting out of this so far what you expected to get when you signed out of high school? Yeah, 100%. You know, it's really just a uh... – Terre Haute's an interesting place, you know. It's not as fast as the big city and all that, but it's uh, it's definitely got a lot of motion going on around here. So I just I enjoy it, you know. There's you know unlimited food places, all that stuff in the community, and <laughs> the, the, so we yes. we get out around all the place over there and eat. But uh, the community support is amazing, you know. I don't think there's you know a community that you know shows as much as they do. You know they've been waiting for good basketball. You know obviously you got Bird. Bird is a big part of Terre Haute. You you know you say something bad about Bird, you might be disgraceful. You know so, but yeah. Uh, but yeah no. So I've I've really enjoyed here in Terre Haute, and so it's uh, it's definitely been everything that I, I've I've expected when I when I when I first committed. Yeah, and and I'll be honest with you, Robbie Avila joins us, the sophomore from Indiana State on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. There are times, and I'll try to explain exactly how you put it to people that don't know, and they'll kind of laugh a little bit and kind of joke. And I always said this. I always said, if you can't have fun at Indiana State and Terre Haute, that's on you. That's your fault. There's plenty to do. There's plenty of activities, and especially with you. Big-time basketball player having a great deal of success this year, you and your teammates. That's going to be fun as hell for you. But I always explain to them, man, it's on you if you can't find the fun because it is there. You kind of sometimes get a side-eye when you try to explain how great of a destination it has been, don't you, from those that don't know? Yeah, no, definitely. Everybody always says, you know, it's just, you know, terrible. There's nothing to do out there, but I don't think they really understand, you know, they, they really haven't, you know, enjoyed it as much as us because, you know, we as a team, we get out here, we have a blast, you know, no matter what it is, you know, whether it is basketball and practice and games or, you know, in the season or even off the season when we're out here, you know, during the spring, we go golfing, we go to the movies. And so there's definitely, you know, everything you need out here to, you know, enjoy yourself. And so we kind of take advantage of it, you know, in any way possible. Hey, too, when you and Graves go down to Ethan Crawford, go up to the attic of that old house and see if I left a bunch of crap over there. I mean, I, I think I got – I may have some kind of karaoke machine up in there and a bunch of other crap. So you guys can, like, crawl up in the attic with your goggles on and, and look for it, too. Now, are they handing out goggles just like yours in front of that Bradley game Saturday? I think they'll be a little bit different. I don't know if they'll be exactly like mine, but they'll, they'll be kind of a, a closer replica. Have you uh, worn those for all of your basketball playing existence? I, I usually switch them out, you know, a year or two after. I've had these since my senior year of high school, but they're starting to wear down a little bit. So uh, I actually did have to order a new pair coming in. Uh, I think it was last week. So there, there, there will be a new pair of the Robbie goggles, you know, coming in here soon at the end of the season. Did you say the Robbie goggles? I love that, dude. That's great. That's great. Now, now, were you ever – when you first, like, rocked the goggles in high school, were you skeptical? About it, you go, hey, I don't know about this. Maybe I don't want this look. Was there ever a thought, or were you cool with it the entire time? Yeah, so I started wearing the goggles when I was in, I'd say, fifth grade uh, for sports only. So I started wearing that. I had glasses, you know, ever since I was young. And I kept breaking my glasses. And so I would, like, be messing around with my brother or fighting, and, you know, and somebody ended up stepping on him and, you know, they would get broken. So my mom used to get mad at me because we used to have to buy, you know, so many glasses. So after one time, I think it was a uh, eighth grade year, she said, you know what, you're stuck with them. And so I actually wore the goggles for like everyday glasses as well, because, you know, they're not going to break on me. And so I wore those all the way up to freshman year and I ended up getting glasses again. And so I uh, wore the goggles throughout high school. And I think it was my junior year. Uh, my mom wanted me to try contacts. So I, I went to go try contacts for a little while but I could never really get them going. And my brother used to tell me, 
you know, no, no way you're going contacts. He says, you know, without the goggles, you're not even Robbie anymore. And so that kind of stuck with me a little bit. You know, it kind of just became me and, you know, who I am. And so we kind of used it as a little bit of a, a branding opportunity. Shout out to mom on that. Oh, what yeah. a great, great idea. That, like there's a, a famous line in an old film that's much older than you called Major League where they put they put those glasses on Charlie Sheen's character and and Lou Brown, the, the manager, said, you know, it doesn't matter how it looks. You know, seeing is the important thing. And then Wesley Snipes' right. character counters with, it's not that important. You probably got a little bit of that early. But, yeah, I mean, you're the one that's going to end up laughing about this. Because oh, this yeah. has become a big deal, especially in Paradise. Oh, yeah, no. It's, 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 I'm one with the goggles now. So, you know, like I said, <laughs> shout out my mom and shout out my brother for making, making sure that I keep them. Robbie Avila joins us at the Sycamores. Uh, so I, I'm with a uh, there's a, a place called the Shop. It's a a old school uh, vintage, if you will, T-shirt shop that's here in Indy and in Carmel. And I've got friends that run it that do that do gear for this show, and they yeah. are saying that we can get some Robbie goggles T-shirts going. So we got we got to get that going at some point. Some Robbie goggles T-shirts from the shop. They just they got they got to get with you and get your okay. Now again, I want you playing basketball. All right, you got to keep the averages up, keep kicking some ass here. But at some point, when you got a little bit of downtime, we got to work some kind of T-shirt thing here in Central Indiana to get everybody embracing that Sycamore basketball program. Nah, definitely. I think that'd be a, a great opportunity. I, I have to I have to find some time here for sure. I'll have I'll have them send you an X or a tweet or whatever it is, and uh, and you can and get back with them. But again, seeing and playing well is the important thing. Robbie Avila joins us. You get Bradley coming up. That's on Saturday night, six o'clock at the Home and Center. Back in December, you beat Bradley. Bradley's obviously one of the better teams in the Missouri Valley, which is really it's pretty hostile at the top of that league right now that you're playing in. They were without Connor Hickman from Bloomington South who I think is their top scored over 14 a game in that initial game up in Peoria, Illinois. How different are they with him, and what's your expectation on Saturday? Yeah, no, the first time we played them, they uh, I think he, he, he played for most of the first half and then got injured during that game. So, you know, I, I don't think he played at all in the second half. But uh, they're definitely a, a lot better of a team with them. You know, he brings a, a different dynamic for them, you know, being able to – handle the ball and also, you know, score for them. And so I think they're, they're playing, obviously, since he's gotten back, they, you know, been on a, a great win streak. And so they're a really good team and it's going to be tough to, you know, play them here in the home and center. But uh, I think the team's ready for, it. you know, we step up to the challenge every single time. And so we just got to, you know, prepare our best to, to be able to go out there and play our best against them. I like coach shirts too much to put you in any bad spots. I don't want you to look ahead, but you do Bradley. And then on the road at Belmont, they're probably a little bit of salty how you treated them at the Holman Center a couple of weeks ago. And then you get Drake, and you guys are probably a little bit salty about how Drake treated you a couple of weeks ago. Is this by far the toughest stretch of the season for you guys? Certainly in the Mo Valley, but maybe overall? Yeah, no, this is a, definitely a brutal stretch. You know, we got three really, really, really good teams that, you know, that are competing for the Valley. And so uh, I think it's uh, important, like you said, to take one game at a time. But, uh, uh, definitely you can you can lose any game here in the Valley. And so if you're not ready for any one of them, you know, somebody will surprise you. And so just being prepared for every single one, you know, that's what we're going to try and do. I know, Robbie, that you had Indiana State and the crosshairs the entire time. So I'm going to ask you this question. I'm just kind of curious. Who was, who was running second place on signing day or in your thoughts or where you wanted to play basketball when you were coming out of high school? I mean, obviously the, the clear favorite, was uh, Indiana State, but who was running second for you coming out of high school? Uh, my my bottom two came down between here and uh, you and I. Uh, they were definitely a, a, a big option for me, but uh, like you said, the the positive outweighed here at Indiana State, and I couldn't have been more wrong. So here here at Indiana State is you know uh, where where I love it. You know it's been a great two years, and I can't wait to continue on going here. Did uh, Coach Schertz tell you at the time that he had kind of visions of being able to play through you uh, as a big, especially, and I know, obviously, Swope came in this year, There's you know, and, and, and Ryan came in this year from South Florida, but did he tell you maybe that's how he wanted to utilize you 
when you got here, or was that still a relative unknown until you actually played here? No, that that's definitely was what his big uh, pitch was within recruitment was my uh, ability to kind of play right away and being able to be like the hub of the offense is what he calls it. And so uh, that definitely was, you know, a, a big reason of why I chose here. And so, and, and Scherz is gonna, one of those guys, he's one of those coaches that is going to, you know, give it to you straight. You know, he's not going to, you know, make up some things for you, but he'll keep it real with you. And so uh, that's what he kind of did with me was, you know, told me that uh, he saw me being, you know, the kind of focal point of the offense and allowing me to, you know, be able to play my game, but also to create and, you know, facilitate for the team. And so I think I'm doing an okay job of that right now, but, uh, you know, definitely bringing in Ryan and Swope, definitely bring a different dynamic to the team, you know, than last year and they're elevating our team. And I think they're going to continue to, you know, get better within the system. And uh, I think it's only, only up from here. Robbie Avila, the sophomore of the Sycamores, ESPNU, it's Bradley and Indiana State. That is coming up on Saturday evening, 6 o'clock, by the way, too. And uh, the goggles, I think in some form or fashion, certainly will be handed out at what is going to be a sold-out home and center. Did you see them with the tickets and the lines earlier today over in Terre Haute? That was pretty cool. Yeah, I did. Uh, I saw a video out there on Twitter, and it it was a – it's amazing, man. Everybody was lined up out there to, to go get their tickets, and it just shows, you know, how excited the people are out here. You know, again, back to the support that they, you know, they show for us, and, you know, if they continue to come out and, you know, uh, show their support for us and get loud in the home center, you know, we're going to continue to do our best to keep piling up them wins for them. I know from, from Conwell to Swope, um, yeah, Kent, I mean, you're talking about guys that are they're really good and, and uh, Julian Larry as well. If there's one guy on this team that you think, you know what, this is a dude that we can't live more than a minute without, who, who would that be? And again, I'm not trying to dismiss anybody else and their level of importance, but I mean, who besides you, you running the offense through you, who is that important cog where you go, man, you know, th- this guy is the reason why we run? Yeah, no, everybody obviously plays a part, but I think the, the, the you know, most, you know, I wouldn't say most important, but another big guy within our team is definitely uh, Xavier Blitzen. Uh, he, he's like kind of our six man kind of guy, you know, come in and play the wing, you know, play the guard positions, but also come in and play like a small ball five. And I think with, since because he's been with Shirts for six years, obviously he was there with LMU, um, he really knows the system extremely well. You know, he knows it better than anybody else. And his, his IQ within, within basketball is just, you know, at such a high level that he's able to, even when he's not playing, he's able to kind of be like a player coach and kind of help guys out there while they're playing. And so he's definitely, you know, a, a huge uh, part to our success. And he's going to continue to help us down the line. And, you know, whether it's on the court or even off the court, you know, helping coaching. And, you know, I think, I think he's that guy that, you know, that we, we couldn't be here without him. So Robbie Avila, the Sycamores with us. Does uh, Coach Gray's ever uh, grab an old dusty VHS tape and put that in and show you guys his exploits on the floor in high school and in college? He ever do that? Yeah, uh, he definitely does. He doesn't bring up the film. I don't, I don't think they had it for his time, but uh, but he definitely <laughs> does. You know, pop out a little bit in practice here and there. He'll shoot, shoot a couple of shots, maybe do do a little post work. But uh, now nah, he, he, I don't think I don't think they had a uh, film back then when Graves was playing. <laughs> we uh we are both uh, Green County, Indiana originators, right there. He yeah. of uh, White River Valley and Sweat City, and me of Eastern Green and Eastern Green, not too far from. Uh, Bloomington. So we and, and when I lived over there, I had like all all the dorks from Green County where he is from. Like I lived with like five or six of them right there. I, I don't yep. even know how. Like I, I, Robbie, I'm honestly I, I consider myself a graduate. I don't I don't even know. Uh, hopefully I did. I didn't go through graduation. I think as soon as my advisor said, "Yeah, you made it," I just kind of left because I didn't want them to backpedal and say, "No, nah, you know what? On second thought, you didn't." <laughs> <laughs> so I don't even know, but I I love what you guys are doing right now. It's seventeen and three, and obviously at the top of the conference at eight and one. I know that you're just going to win all these games and and not worry about how this works out, and obviously go to Arts Madness and win that too. That's your goal. But do you think that this at the end of it all, this conference will be deserving of an at-large bid? Uh, it's definitely, you know, uh, I think it depends on, you know, how, how, you know, either us, Tariq or Bradley, you know, some of the guys at the top, you know, finish out their season. But 
um, I definitely think that this league is as competitive as almost any. And so uh, I think that, you know, it, it is possibly a, a two to three bid league, you know, Drake, us, Bradley, like I mentioned, you know, are really, really good teams, you know, and, and can, you know, can make a run down there in March. And so I think it would be amazing to see, you know, two, two, two teams make it out of here. And, you know, if it's just one, then, you know, one of them's got to go out there and make a run. And so uh, I think it's just exciting to see, you know, the success that uh, the NBC is having so far this year. No, I love it. I absolutely love it, man. You guys are an absolute blast to watch again. 17 and three. And eight and one in the Missouri Valley, they got a big one against. And as Robbie mentioned, uh, Connor Hickman from Bloomington South played for J.R. Holmes. Didn't play in the second half of that initial game, which was a Sycamore win in Peoria. Get a return from Bradley coming up on Saturday. And then you go Belmont uh, on the road and then back at home against Drake. A very important time. Robbie Goggles, we're thinking about those T-shirts here up in Indianapolis. And Robbie Avila joins us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Man, it's great to have you on the show. And, and people will tell you this. I don't get a chance to root for a lot because I, I need to keep this fair and balanced. But one thing that is allowed is for me to be able to to root and be proud of the product you guys are putting on the full over there. And, and job well done, man. Thanks for being exciting and bringing that air of excitement and fun to the basketball program. And by all means, keep this bad boy going, okay? All right. I appreciate you. We'll continue to do our thing and, you know, continue to support for us. You know, we love it. And we'd appreciate it. We will uh, have you back on again and, and tell Coach Shirts and especially Coach Graves we said a little over there, okay? I got you. I'll, I'll let them know. Ethan Crawford, goggles to Ethan Crawford, and, and then go ahead and tweet me that at some point, that picture of you guys at Ethan Crawford after that Bradley win, okay? I'll get, I'll get Graves on it. I'll make sure he's there. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. All righty. Thank you. You have a good rest of your day.